0: We're talking how to fix the New York Giants with special guest coach Gene Clemens of Giants Country and of The Athletic that's coming up next on today's Locked On Giants podcast brought to you in part by our friends at McDonald's serving community since 1965. I'm loving
1: it. You are Locked On Giants. Your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello, New York Giant fans! I am welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day I am Patricia Traynor your host and today I promised you an interview and I am very pleased to welcome in the gentleman that I call coach Gene Clemens because he is indeed a football coach works at the high school level. Um, and and is very good at what he does. He is also a contributing writer for Giants Country, which is the site I manage. He works for The Athletic. He has done work with Emery Hunt, who a lot of you, I know, enjoy hearing from as well. So Gene is one of the up-and-coming voices when it comes to football analysis, and I am absolutely delighted to have him on the program with me.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that that great introduction. Um, Always good to talk football with
0: All right. Well, Gene, I've got to put you on the spot, man, because I'm going to ask you to put your coach's hat on. All right. Okay. So we've we've been following this Giants team now since the start of the season. Maddening, to say the least. When you look, let's start with the offensive side of the ball. How much can we actually say the injuries are to blame for what we're seeing versus how much of it is the scheme, do you think?
1: Well, so I, I tend to be on, in the minority on this one because I think it's pretty hard to blame a scheme that you, that you get to praise people within it when they're doing good things. Like we, we, we conveniently praised um, you know, Daniel Jones for a few weeks because of his improved play. Well, that didn't just all of a sudden magically happen. It was, it was schematic. They started doing things that fit Daniel Jones' skill set a lot, a lot better. That allowed him to have more success. Um, we praised, um, we praised um, Kadarius Tony for his play. Well, th- that was schematically what they were doing to get the ball into his hands. We talked about Darius Slayton earlier in the year, and 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 what I'm sorry, yet no, I'm sorry, not um Darius Slayton. We were talking about Shepard earlier in the year, and um the first two weeks he had really great um on really great output at the receiver position. Well, that was because of the scheme. So it's, it's, it's difficult for me to say, well, there's a scheme issue when at various times we've praised the people who are operating within that scheme. I think that the continuity for me has been the biggest thing that's been the issue with the Giants. You just can't you can't have a consistent offense when every week you're plugging in different elements to that offense, whether that's on the offensive line, whether that's in the backfield, whether that's at the receiver position. I mean, if you just think about the, how, how much different the receiving core has looked on a week-to-week basis this year, I don't think they ran out the same receivers um, as starters for um, back-to-back weeks outside of the first week of the season. And, and so when you have that, that much turnover, when you have that much upheaval, um, especially on the offensive line, Um, But even when you're talking about the receivers that the quarterback's comfortable with working with, it's going to make a difference in your production. And that all came to a head last Sunday when we just saw the most disjointed offense that we've probably seen all season. But they were down a lot of elements that that we think make this offense what it should be when we see it all clicking.
0: So let's talk offensive line. Now, Andrew Thomas has been playing lights out. I think we can all agree that. And as a result of that, they've been able to roll coverage over to the right side to help out Nate Solder and minimize that. Because you're right. We were at one point praising how good the offensive line looked in pass protection. So since Andrew Thomas's injuries have sort of, you know, crept up a little bit, now they're going to start Matt Parrott at left tackle. They're going to leave Solder at right tackle. What's the answer here to help this offensive line? Do they maybe go more 12 personnel? Do they do more max protect? I mean, what do you think they should do to help and make sure that this line gets settled and into a group?
1: Well, I think schematically, one of the things that you saw them doing a lot, and it was really good for um, a left tackle like Thomas, who, is a, who, who has been known as a run, um, a run first type of tackle. I think when you look at all of the play action that they've done, um, making sure that a lot of the pass plays came off of that fake to the running back and, and allowing that one to two um, lead from Jones instead of having him scan the field and go through all all of his progressions. I think that's what they have to continue to try to do. I think you need chipping from tight ends. I think you need chipping from backs. Don't just try to release um, four and five receivers into a route. Um, I think 12 personnel would be would be great. Um, if you're using 12 personnel similar to the way that they use 12 personnel when Jason Garrett was coaching in, in Dallas, if you're just lining up 12 personnel, but then you're using Ingram essentially as a wide receiver, that doesn't really help the, the situation. I think you have to have to have more, um, more formations where you're using a tight end and that second tight end as a wing. You're chipping with one and then you're using the other person to then chip off and go almost as a delayed route into the, into the, um, into the combination. I think that coupled with play action is going to help the offensive line. But I also think you just have to really start thinking about when do we need to prepare people for when we do get these healthy guys back? So when Andrew Thomas comes back, are we really putting Perk back on the bench who's been a guy who seems to be going in, as a starter, if this is the future, if that's what you see as the future, is it time to tell Nate Soda to take a um, seat on the bench and really be a just a veteran presence and allow these young guys to start to gel if this is the offensive line we want to see going forward? But um, specifically to your to your um, question, we definitely need to see the Giants use more personnel to help these offensive tackles on both sides, be able to handle on um, really difficult pass rushing. And I think you do that by allowing those tight ends to chip and then sliding that line or that protection to one side to give that guard an opportunity to help a tackle on, on, on one side.
0: Now, of course, you know, with 12 personnel, you mentioned having the tight ends block, not just have one guy release. Blocking is not a strength of Evan Ingram's.
1: Absolutely not, but I think he, he's always been a willing blocker. He's mm-hmm. not a great blocker, but he's a willing blocker. And if you're asking him to chip, this isn't like we're asking him to, you know, um, to, to, to base block a, to base block a nine tech. We're asking him to chip. So just to stop the momentum of a defensive end so that the tackle has the opportunity to slide in position and, and be better set up to, to handle those pass rushers. I think he's a willing guy to do that. And I also think it'll help in the play action because when those guys get hands onto defenders, to the defensive backs, it looks as if this must be a run play. So now we're chipping to allow for um, the, the the play action to have even more of an effect than it has when we fake it to the running back. I think that helps all parties involved.
0: Now, one thing that Coach Judge said uh, yesterday that struck me as interesting, <clears throat> excuse me, he was talking about the different types of runs for Saquon versus Devonta Booker. Based on what you've seen, Gene, and you again, you've been following this team, you know, all, all season. How different are the runs that they call for Booker versus Saquon? Do they call more, I don't know, zone plays for for Saquon versus Booker? More gap? I mean, what what do you see as the biggest differences?
1: Absolutely, I think I think they definitely call more zone running for Saquon because they believe in his ability to. Um, diagnose the defense in front of him, find a hole, and then burst through it. He, he's definitely more of a natural zone back. But I also think that's probably to their detriment because now you're essentially running two different styles of offense, which is going to mean that your offense can't get this continuity that we were talking about they're missing at the beginning of our conversation. Um, I, I don't think Booker is a bad zone back. I think that he can do it. I also think that by running zone, You then open back up the opportunity for your zone read, which is what they had a lot of success with. And it also opens up the opportunities for boots and RPOs off of that zone. So if it's me, I'm allowing Booker. I I assigned Booker to be a back that complements what Saquon does, because we didn't know if we were going to have Saquon at the beginning of the year. So I need Booker to do what it is that we do in our offense. And right now, that should be based off being more of a zone, um, zone scheme, gap scheme, not necessarily a man scheme type of um, type of team.
0: Now, <clears throat> excuse me. The Giants, of course, have the Panthers. I know you've been studying the Panthers for your 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 films write up. They also have a pretty tough schedule coming up. You know, given the injuries they have at receiver, you know that that's got to throw them on their ear because you know at the beginning of the year they had so many receivers they had basically a receiver of every flavor available if you you will and they don't have that now so when you don't have a healthy Galladay when you don't have a healthy Tony I mean that's a big loss I would say how do you compensate for for those two guys not being in the lineup
1: I I don't think that there there's a way to compensate for not having a healthy Galladay but in, in in truth, Tony essentially came in and started doing what Shepard was doing early in the year. And so now you're putting Shepard back into that position. He should be able to do many of the same things that, that Tony did. The, the difference is, is that Tony is just a lot more shifty than Shepard is, but Shepard's pretty shifty in his own right, and I think he probably has a little bit more long speed than Tony does. Um, Galladay is difficult. You know, it's harder to, 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 to replace him because he's a really, he's really good physical wide receiver, and they don't have a lot of physical wide receivers, which is why I said um, running 12 personnel when you're using Ingram in that role really doesn't help your 12 personnel be able to better stand up against the pass rush. So um, for me, I believe they need to um, really focus on using that 12 personnel in play action and getting both of their tight ends in, involved in the passing game, not just Evan Ingram, but really trying to get Kyle Rudolph involved in the passing game as well, which I don't actually think they've done a great job of this year. Um, I know we had spoken um, earlier about his ineffectiveness in the offense, and when I went back and looked at it, he just doesn't have a lot of targets. They're not, they're not putting the ball in his hands. They're not using him in a way that's, that's, that's comparable to his skill set. And so I think if they do that, they can have a lot more success and maybe make up a little bit for not having a dollar day out there.
0: Okay. So let's elaborate on that point because you're absolutely right. They haven't used Kyle Rudolph a lot. They haven't used him in the red zone. I think he has two red zone targets and he's, he's obviously not caught either one of those. So what do you think they need to do in order to get the most out of what Rudolph is is right now at this point in, in his career?
1: Well, I, I think it's interesting because I, I, I go back to they have the perfect offensive coordinator to be able to use a Kyle Rudolph. Um, and, and so I think that you have to use him um, as, as an intermediate as an intermediate to short route um, type, of, type of receiver in the, in the passing game. When you come off of that play action, you've got a guy that should be clearing and then he should be working underneath. Um, I think there's an the opportunity for him to, to come off a of play action on boots, um, to be able to be used when, when, whenever you want to do any type of spread out. Um, using him, they've used him a lot when they've run split zone. And off of the split zone is, is a natural opportunity for um, a, a leak out type of, of play action play where you go and you give that zone look and you pull it and they think you're about to run it. But when they come up on you, you drop it off to that tight end that slipped out of the backfield. Um, from behind the line of scrimmage, I think a lot of those ways they can use him um and and use ingram to be more of a deeper that deep intermediate guy and use Kyle Rudolph underneath um at this point in this at this point in his career being still a short-handed receiver but not really having the same level of explosiveness that he had back when he was with um the vikings before the injuries kind of started to bring him back to life
0: yeah definitely so I mean overall gene i mean, Given the state of this offense, can it be fixed? Do you think going forward, given what they have and the injuries and the constant, you know, revolving door at offensive line?
1: I, you, you know me. I'm not really, I'm not really one to 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 give like a full assessment of a of, of a season within the, the the small sample size that we have. It's a 17 game season. Um, but I think it's going to be really hard for the Giants to get the offense really clicking on all cylinders if week to week they have to keep on making these changes. Even when, um, even when Saquon's ready to play again, now you've got to ingratiate him back into the offense. Again, you're going to change up what you're doing with him um, different than what you're doing with Booker. Now you're going to put him back on a pitch count again. Now we got to see if the ankle's going to hold up. Meanwhile, you're trying to get Galladay in. We've already seen, Gallaudet needs to be top. He he needs to be targeted. If he's not targeted, there's probably going to be some chemistry issues. And so um, when you're trying to get all of those guys back in with a quarterback who's still trying to figure out how to be the guy that everybody wants him to be, that's just, it's difficult. Um, I'd love to see this offense at full strength for four to five weeks straight. I would love to see what it would look like. Because then I think we can make a better assessment on what needs to be done going forward in order to improve the team. But right now it's just so hard to it's it's so hard to say what needs to be done because there's so much, there's so many questions out there. And with all of those questions, it's really hard to say.
0: Hey Giant fans, get all the latest news, odds, infos, and sign up bonuses for all your sporting needs by heading over. To bet online on your laptop or mobile device, when you open an account and use our special promo code Lock On, you will get a fifty percent welcome bonus on your initial deposit. Again, that's called Lock On for your fifty percent welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, Gene, let's talk about the defense because this one's a head scratcher for me. They upgraded at cornerback with Adoree Jackson. They lost Dalvin Tomlinson, which I still say is hurting them, all right? Mm-hmm. And it just looks like they're, they're Patrick Graham is doing different things than he did last year that were so successful to him, for him. When you look at the Giants' defense, what do you see? Do you see a lot of change from what they were doing last year, and, and is it fitting what they have in personnel?
1: Well, I, I'm looking at what they're doing, and one, the one thing I've noticed, especially in the defensive backfield, and, and, and I'll talk about this in – in, in a piece that will be coming out on Giants Country here soon. Um, they seem to be playing a lot of off, a lot of off-man, not a lot of pressing, not a lot of getting up into people's faces. And, and in today's NFL, the, the name of the game is get the ball out quick. Don't allow these pass rushers to have the opportunity. So when you're putting outside linebackers essentially in defensive end positions, which is what which is what the Giants do. Um, they're using legitimate outside linebacker type bodies to be defensive ends. What happens is is that if if they can't use their speed to get around, they're going to get swallowed up. So now it's easy for a quarterback to catch, look, see that the cornerback is playing eight to nine yards off, and throw a six yard pass for for I mean for completion. And allows that running back to then be able to turn. I mean, that receiver to be able to turn around and get some yards after the catch. I would love to see the defensive backs play a lot more aggressive. Force these force these quarterbacks to throw accurate balls over the top. the The deep ball is the the deep fade is probably the most um, inaccurate ball in all of football. Um, it's the least com- It's the least completed pass in all of football, and so. Make them have to throw accurate back shoulder fades. Make them have to throw it accurately over the top. Stop allowing these quarterbacks to just essentially pitch and catch with slant routes and with hitches and with curls, whether you're playing over the top, like we just don't want to get beat. We want to be a bend, but don't break defense, but a bend, but don't break defense has to at some point take a ball away or get a stop. And we just don't see that many stops coming because the 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 completions on on second and long and third and long are just way too easy right now.
0: Now I'm not asking you to speak for Patrick Graham here but again the personnel's not that much different so why would a coach change that up go from being more aggressive as he was last year to more passive it seems what 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 could possibly be a good reason for that?
1: I I I personally don't I look at this I look at this um defense and while a lot of the names are the same. Not having Dalvin Thomas, and I thought I just thought immediately when that when that trade happened, I didn't like it. Um, I thought that he was he was a catalyst to allow those two guys um, outside of him um, to 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 really focus in on playing more of a one on one position, a positional battle. Now without him, everybody's getting manned up which allows these offensive linemen to be able to get onto these linebackers. So now we're not having as, as, as good of a season stopping the run. Well, if we're not having as good a season stopping the run, we've got to commit more people to the run. We've got to make sure that we don't get beat over the top because we don't have an extra safety. So you've seen a lot more of the strong safety playing down in the box. And when, you're have, when you have a strong safety playing down in the box because you need that run support, you're going to play more passive in the back end because you don't want to get beat over the top. And I think that has allowed these quarterbacks to be able to run a play action, look up and see a wide receiver open eight yards down the field with a cornerback that's 10 yards down the field or 12 yards down the field. And that doesn't help. Um, So I think that it's like schematically not having him, Now now being without Martinez, um, not having the depth because because they've lost some of some of those outside linebackers that they were rolling through last year, not having that same level of depth um, so that they can ride the hot hand. I think all of that has contributed to maybe a, a a small adjustment in the way Graham is calling the defense this year as opposed to the way he called it last year.
0: Now one of the things you you mentioned the safeties, and this has kind of bothered me a little bit. Why have Jabril Peppers in coverage? It just it just seems like to me, I, I watch these games, and sometimes I wonder if these safeties are being deployed to their strengths. Do you see the same thing?
1: Absolutely. I don't think Jabril Peppers is a safety. I think Jabril Peppers is a linebacker who just hasn't come home yet, you know, um, for lack of a better word. Um, I, I believe it, it's interesting to me because the Giants got rid of a guy very similar to Jabril Peppers. Um, um allowed him to walk and then brought in essentially the same type of guy in Jabril Peppers. Um, he is a second level safety and if you're a second level safety you're essentially a linebacker. Um I, but I think the problem is is when they when they have him up when they have him, you know, closer to the box, closer to the line of scrimmage. When you send him on a a blitz too many times, he's running right into offensive linemen instead of using his speed and athleticism to get around them when he's in when he's in the intermediate coverage. Is he really playing how he should be playing intermediately, or is he freestyling? I think a lot of times it's, it's him freestyling, see ball, get ball. And sometimes when you're seeing the ball get ball, you're putting yourself in a really bad position. Troy Polamalu was a Hall of Fame safety who was out of position 50% of the time. And when he didn't make a right play, Um, The Pittsburgh suffered from it. And I think that's the same thing you can say for um, the Giants. If he's not being utilized as a second level safety, um, a guy who's playing against the run, they probably need to be thinking about when to get him off the field to get somebody more depth at that third level coverage in the game.
0: Now, we'll talk about coaching just in just a bit because that's that's the big picture and the, the bow, if you will, on this package. But I want to ask you about the cornerback play because James Bradbury not having a good season. Now, I don't know if that's because they have him playing so far off and that's just not a strength of his. Dory Jackson, I think a lot of people were expecting a little bit more. Again, I don't know if that's because he's so far off. And then, you know, you've got the support system. Like when you see uh, Julian Love, not being able to get over to to give help or Logan Ryan hasn't really made any plays. And then in the slot, you know, we can talk about the slot cornerback, which is a separate topic, but what's going on with those cornerbacks is James Bradbury. Just, is it because they changed up the way they are playing or has James Bradbury just dropped off in your opinion?
1: I I wouldn't say he's dropped off. I I mean, he had a, he had a great interception that should have led to a, you know, to a victory that didn't. Because the offense didn't do what they needed to do in order to keep. I think when you're constantly being asked to cover and you're not getting any pressure, you're going to look worse. And that's and that's really what it comes down to. You can't find a defensive backfield in, in the NFL, in college, that, that's good without upfront pressure. When you give these, when you give these uber athletic, uber talented quarterbacks three, four, five seconds to throw the ball. No defensive back can hold up that long. And I think that if, when you look at the lack of a pass rush and you cap, and, and then you put it with how they're being asked to play, you're going to see a lot more completions with these guys. Um, I think that's just natural. Um, I, I do think that Adoria Jackson hasn't played up to his potential, um, especially letting, letting a few balls that probably should have been interceptions Go through his hands. Um, Bradbury, I think, has been solid, he, but he hasn't been as good as he was last year. But it's hard to be that good every year when you're a defensive back because things are so things are so fluid. And so, I'm not really that worried about. Um, I'm not really that worried about Bradbury, but I am worried about the entire defensive back shell as a whole. Um, love and and and. Um, McKinley, Ryan. Uh, McKinley, Ryan. All of these guys seem to have the same thing in common. They tend to make a lot of tackles. And when you have a bunch of defensive backs making a lot of tackles, that probably means they're not doing the greatest job in coverage. And it also means that up front, your linebackers are not getting tackles. And right now, to me, if you're asking me what the most glaring hole in the defense is, that linebacker core especially in the middle it, it 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 has ramifications on the front end and definite ramifications on the back end and we're seeing that play out in in real time
0: so how do we how did they fix it i mean obviously you're talking about the guys in the middle but also the outside linebackers who have been absolutely invisible which blows Absolutely. my mind because supposedly they've got better talent, you know? Lorenzo Carter looked look promising last year before the injury. He's been invisible. Oh, Shane Zimenez has been invisible. Aziz Ojolari, okay, he's a rookie, so maybe we give him a pass there. But that pass rush is just that, – that whole group has just been like, where have they been, you know?
1: Well, I think, I think the answer is aggression. We need to get back to seeing a more aggressive Giants defense. So many times I look at at a play and I'll see five men on the line of scrimmage and I'm thinking, okay, they're sending five and then one guy just sits. And now if you look, there's actually an unbalanced, you know, this is unbalanced rush where you've got three interior guys, you've got one guy trying to come off the other side and you've got another side where the quarterback can just move over to that side. I'd love to see them have more five-man, more six-man pressures. Put the, put the impetus on the defensive backs to get up into these wide receivers and really play some, some hard nose coverage. Um, allow these safeties who seem to be adept at tackling to come down to the mid-level and, and cover these um, tight ends, not let guys get just free releases off the ball, really make it difficult for them to um, – to be able to get into their routes and to stay on rhythm because that's the biggest thing with quarterbacks and receivers is rhythm. So if you can throw the rhythm off, you're going to have a chance for both sides to be able to have success. Um, we don't get a lot of, we don't get a lot of middle linebacker blitzes. Most of it is always the, 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 the edge blitzers or the edge rushers, the outside linebackers, and then those three defensive linemen take one of those defensive linemen off the field. If, if you think that's what, that's what you need to do. But, but get a little bit more exotic like he was doing in Miami when you would look down and you would see one defensive lineman and five linebackers all around him and you didn't know who was coming. I think that's the level of exotic and aggressive that we need to see on defense in order to kind of shape things up because it's getting a little bit monotonous right now. We know who's going to be at those four techniques. Um, We know what they're going to do. They're solid football players, but they need help. And and the way you help them is to commit more people to play around the line of scrimmage. I think that's what um, needs to be done in order to really see some things shaken up on defense.
0: Definitely. And, you know, coming up with the Carolina Panthers, they've already said they're going to run the ball. And the run defense has been bad. Let's call it for what it is. I mean, at this point, you know, do they have the personnel to stop this run defense? Is it just a tweak? I mean, you mentioned Dalvin Tomlinson and I I still keep beating that drum. But you know, at what point what do you do to stop this run if you're this Giants team?
1: I think that I think that they have to be realistic. Number one. Um you don't there's a reason why why Blake Martinez starts, because he's the starter. So your backup's not going to be him or else he would be a starter. Um, but I think the 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 key to getting better results lies in the same formula. We have to be more aggressive. If I'm the the defensive coordinator, I'm saying our linebackers just send us – they just tend to stand there and wait for blocks to come to them or they're waiting for running backs to get to them. They're not being aggressive um, to the line of scrimmage. Okay, so we'll take the the aggression out of their hands. We're going to send one of them. We're going to send these guys. We're going to make sure that we're flooding, the, we're flooding every running lane so that that running back has to go east and west. And if you're going east and west against, um, against New York, that's not a recipe for success. Where, where New York is, is getting gashed is when those holes open up and those backs are able to stick a foot in the ground and get north and south immediately. And when they're able to do that, that's when the Giants' um, run defense is at its worst. But if they can get those guys to go more east and west, then they could have more success chasing it down because they do have uber athletic people at the second level and at the third level to come down and make tackles. All right,
0: Giant fans, this episode of the Lock on Giants podcast is brought to you in part by McDonald's, proudly serving community since 1965. McDonald's has always been a place to get tasty and affordable food and a place where friends, family, community members can meet up to discuss a ball game, talk business, just or just hang out. For me, McDonald's was always a special treat whenever I would get good grades when I was in school. When I was a young girl, my mom would always take me to McDonald's, get a happy meal, and just enjoy the French fries, which were one of my favorite things. And then, of course, later on when they introduced the Chicken McNuggets, love those Chicken McNuggets. So anyway, head on over to your local McDonald's next time you're feeling a little peckish. McDonald's, I'm loving it. AJ fans, built Bar is a healthy, low-carb, low-sugar, and high-protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. Choose from nine amazing flavors plus the occasional limited-time offering available in nut and nut-free varieties. Visit BiltBar.com and get 15% off your first order with the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 or 15% off your first order at BiltBar.com. All right. Now, Jean, let's talk big picture from a coaching perspective. You are, of course, a football coach and a very good one based on uh, all the work you've done and and, uh, the success you've had. So I want to ask you from a head coaching perspective, the job Joe Judge has done now, a lot of people have complained about him being too conservative, not consistent, you know, any number of complaints. When you look at where Joe Judge is at this point in his career as a head coach, what's your takeaways? Where can he get better?
1: I think he it's, – it's difficult because it's hard to, to, to be something you're not. Um, I think that he is a guy who looks at we want to um, be fundamentally sound. We want to be fundamentally sound. We want to play the game the quote-unquote right way. And a lot of times that ends up being monotonous and ends up being boring. And I think that some that, – that people equate that when you're losing as being antiquated. Um, when you're winning, they just say that you're a de- disciplined football team. And, um, you know, the, the Tennessee Titans, there's nothing fancy about what they do. That's as old school as it comes, but they're winning with it. And so there's no issue. I think for Judge, he has to be who he is because at the end of the day, you know, um, unless you, 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 you've you done some real legitimate investing in making changes or, or you empower other people to do the things that you yourself are not capable of doing. It's going to be hard for him to change, but I think he has to. He has to be willing to open up the open up the playbook on both sides of the ball. Um, take more risks, take more chances. Um, if 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 passing is the way in which we get this thing done right now, then Daniel Jones passed the ball fifty times. You know, if runnings the, if running the ball is the way we get this thing done, then we don't need to see these little cutesy. On um, screen passes to guys for four yards. You know we need to see the, the 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 four yards, five yards in the cloud of dust, and just keep pounding it down people's throats until we get to the end zone. Defensively, we have to be more aggressive. We have to be more aggressive. We cannot sit back and and be a bend but don't break defense. That's not working. So if we're, if being a bend but don't break defense isn't working, then we've got to bring the fight to them. We can't just keep catching. At some point we've got to be the ones delivering the blows and, and making it um, a much more of a, of a, of a rugby scrum than we're doing right now. A lot of the plays are really easy to di- to diagram on the, on video on film because they're being run for perfectly like defenders are just lining up in the perfect area to be blocked so like uh, bringing more dynamic, allowing the defensive coordinator to take the governor off and say, you know what, send it at them. You know, be more like you were when you were in Green Bay and you were, you were blitzing, you know, 70% of the time. Be more like you were in Miami when you were sending um, safeties and linebackers from, every, from everywhere. This conservative nature that is just me by who I am, I can get rid of that by stepping back and saying, okay, I'm empowering you guys to be more. And then I think you just have to start flipping the math. Um, if there are guys that you just think, oh, well, you know, he's just this guy is, a, is one of my guys, but he's not he's not pro- he's not producing at the level that you want him to do That It's time to move on from that guy. It's time to see what we have in some of these other players. Give them an opportunity and tell them, look, this is your opportunity. We're winning. We're losing with the guys that are in there. We can lose with some other guys. So it, it's not as if you're 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 giving up something. I don't like the idea of tanking a season um especially a 17 game season this this early into the season. But I think that that adding new blood, adding new life to the to the equation is never a bad thing.
0: No, it definitely isn't. and I want to follow up on your point about judge needs to be who he is. I know you can't speak for him, but he's only been at this as a head coach now. this is his second season. Does he know who he is? Is it too soon for him to say, okay, this is who I am? Or is he maybe carrying over some of what he learned from Belichick and from Saban, which I suspect is, is is at play here because, you know, just look at how he got this team ready for the start of the season, which I think we could probably agree that that was a problem with how he prepared them. But is that maybe playing in here where Judge is still got that Belichick and Sabin blood going through his head, if you will, and that, you know, he's still trying to find himself.
1: Well, I mean, you could say that, but the, the genius of Belichick and Saban is adjusting to the personnel that they have. So, like, like when you look at a Nick at Nick Saban's offense, when you look at Nick Saban's defense, they don't they don't resemble those teams that won back when um you know that when he was first at Alabama, they don't resemble the team that won when he was at LSU. Um, these teams now have wide receivers all over the place. They're wide open, four wides, throwing the ball down the field. Um, but, but the thing that they all have is they've all bought into the, 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 the dictatorship of the head coach. And when they buy into, it's my way, this is the way it's done, because I said it's the way it's done, you can get a lot of things um, accomplished Joe judge doesn't have a pedigree that says we should 100% listen to you because Joe judge could be gone next week. Like we just, he has nothing. He has no cachet to land on right now. So when you, when you ask him, does he know who he is? I think every guy understand when they, before they ever go into their first head coaching gig, they say, when I am the guy, this is what I'm going to do. When I am the guy, this is how I'm going to handle things. So he's been preparing himself for this moment, his entire football career. And if he hasn't, then he probably shouldn't be a head coach.
0: So what can Joe judge then? You know, he said, to, he said uh, on Thursday, look, you know, the fish stinks and starts at the head and I'm the head. So it starts with me. What can he do moving forward to? I, I'm not saying he's lost guys, although, you know, some people look at some of the play last week and it looked like certain guys were giving up. So, which is never what you want to see. You didn't see that a lot last year. What can Joe Judge do to make sure that A, he keeps this team from from giving up and B to just make sure that he gets them back on the right track?
1: Well, I think first off when everybody stinks and it starts at the head, that's coach speak. Um, so I don't really particularly get into that. That means nothing to me. Um, taking taking responsibility for Um, A team being, you know, being bad at the beginning of the season when everybody's blaming you anyway is that's not really that's not really saying much. What is telling, though, what is telling, though, is if we have if we have a team that is saying, hey, look, we feel like we can get it done. Stop trying to focus on this. Then you have to empower those guys. And I think that's something that you can do just by saying, hey, listen, man, we're going to put it in you guys' hands this week. Like, this is a week based off of the the team they're playing where you need Daniel Jones and the receiving core to come to play ball. Like, this can't be a 218-yard performance and a touchdown and and no interceptions and everybody get excited because Daniel Jones didn't turn the ball over. Like, at some point, it has to be them saying, Look, we're, we're putting it in your hands. There is no Saquon. Booker, he's a nice bat, but he's not Saquon. He's not gonna stir the, he's not gonna stir the drink. So we need you guys at receiver, where we have all of this talent, we have all of this speed, we have all of these, these, these playmakers, two playmaking tight ends, um, three and four different receivers depending upon who's out there, who can all stretch the field, um, catch the ball underneath, take it deep. We need you guys to step up this week. We need Daniel Jones to be Devontae Jones that he's been when he's been tucking that ball and, and running around. Like We need those guys to, to really be playmakers and not just look to be facilitators or look to be chain movers. We need guys who are looking to put the ball in the end zone offensively, and then defensively, he's just got to tell his guys, hey, look, be aggressive. If you're going to make a mistake, you know what I'm saying? Make a mistake full speed. But, but we need to see guys flying around with that energy, with that spark. Um, Lorenzo Carter, you need to be that hellcat, whether it's in the run game or in the pass game, where when you make a play, it, the rest of the defense feeds off of it. And right now, I just see guys make a play and then people walk back to the huddle. And, and that's not going to inspire anybody to, um, to overcome this because, because you can't just find talent on the street. So you have to get it done with the guys who are here. And you're getting, a, you're getting a, a Panthers team that is probably as desperate as you are for a win. So they've got their issues. You have your issues. Now let's see who can mitigate mistakes and, and get the job done on Sunday. Gene, I'm telling you, listening
0: to you talk, I'm fired up. I mean, I hope the Giants are going to be as fired up as I am right now, listening to, you know, your feedback and everything like that. So this was great stuff. Really appreciate the time, your expertise, folks. Now you see why I love them so much over on Giants Country. He's got some pieces coming out. You'll want to check out. All right, Giants fans, that'll do it for this week's shows and for today's show. And again, I will put in the show notes a link to Gene's profile over on Giants Country as well as a link to his author profile on The Athletic where you can check him out and I believe Gene you still have a YouTube channel is that right?
1: Absolutely absolutely coach Gene Clemens um, you can follow me on my Talk Spicy podcast every morning sometime around seven o'clock or you can go in and and listen to it on Spotify if you're in the car. Um, Patricia I appreciate you having me on as always.
0: Not a problem. And I'll put all that stuff, that information in the show notes, if you want to check them out. And I highly recommend it. You still, you do the uh, coach, I think it's the coaches and Joes or something like that.
1: <laughs> X and O's and Joes, which is really cool. We break down plays and, you know, we, we try to get some stuff out there and then want to do a little more um, Giants specific stuff. So we'll have some stuff coming down the pike as well.
0: All right. Sounds exciting. I can't wait. All right, folks, that'll do it for us. We will see you next week. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we will be talking about a win. Uh, The Giants need this one. It's certainly winnable, but we'll see. So all right,
1: everybody have a great weekend and we'll catch you on Monday.